What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all, as always, here on our mailbag episode here on Sunday, answering um, y'all's questions that y'all sent in. Um, Picked about three to five to talk about on this week's episode. And so let's get right into it. Um, this first question, this person writes, Tanner, I know there was a lot of talk in the spring around Georgetown's lighter non-con schedule. They were 6-0 and when the season was canceled. Do you think they need to schedule tougher out of conference? And what are your expectations of the Hoyas in 2021? And they go on to say, they believe uh, Georgetown can win the Big East. Um, so when talking about scheduling and with with Georgetown, so um, let, let, let's go back here a bit. And so in 2020, they were 6-0. and They played Lafayette, UMBC, Fairfield, Mount St. Mary's, Bellarmine, and Towson. Now, Towson is usually a pretty – good team. They were not good last year. Um, and remember, we did not get to see that Georgetown-North Carolina game, and North Carolina was in a similar boat where they were undefeated, and they had only played Colgate, Mercer, Lafayette. They played Hopkins, and uh, who wasn't necessarily good, and they played a very good team in Denver, and but then they ended the year, you know, really, when it COVID hit, they had just played Bryant and Furman. So, you know, UNC was in a similar boat there. And, you know, Johns Hopkins is usually a better team than they were. And Denver was a good team, which they beat. Um, and then that UNC-Georgetown game was one that a lot of people were circling because it was going to be the kind of um, a test to see, I think, more so <clears throat> where uh, Georgetown was as opposed to UNC. Now, when we look at, at, at Georgetown in the past, so the 2019 non-con schedule, um, it included Towson, who they lost to, and then they also played a pretty good Drexel team, and they played Sacred Heart. Robert Morris is a decent uh, mid-major. Uh, they played Mount St. Mary's. They played Mount St. Mary's pretty close these past two seasons. Um, well, closer in 2019 than 2020, but, um, you know, that's a decent team, I will say. Um, and then even looking back into 2018, um, yeah, Georgetown went, let's see, they beat High Point, RMU, Towson, Mount St. Mary's, Marist, and Hobart. Uh, Hobart um, has been a... a, a a decent team over the past couple seasons. And they lost to, so that's one, two, three, four, five. They went six and zero, and then lost to Drexel. And then to start conference play, they lost to Marquette and Denver directly after that. Um, 2018, they went 12 and five and they, they made that, um, that tournament appearance. Um, and that was, the year after the four and ten season, 
Um, you know, I because they're in the Big East, and I'm looking back at the, these schedules and what they've done non-con. Like it's been essentially not the same teams, but it's been around similar caliber teams. You know, what I like to see Georgetown schedule some tougher teams every year early in the season. Um, yeah, what I like to see Georgetown Maryland series start. Um, Georgetown Rutgers, you know, you know, yeah, I would like to see some games like that, but you know, the past couple seasons, it hasn't hurt them. Past couple full seasons. They went to the NCAA tournament both years. They won the Big T- the Big East both years. So I don't necessarily know if that is going to be something that um, they need to like address, per se. I think they're doing just fine in that regard. And again, like this year, um, you know, Towson, you know, people thought they were going to be better. Um, UMBC was a decent team. Mount St. Mary's was, was a decent team. So it's not like they're playing, you know, Bellarmine wasn't that good. Lafayette was not that good. Fairfield was not that good. But outside of that, you know, um, they weren't like, it wasn't like you were playing an Owen, an Owen six team, right? Like you were playing pretty decent teams. Um, so, so you weren't necessarily playing bad, bad teams. Um, so that's kind of my take on the Georgetown and the scheduling. I know a lot of people have talked about that, especially since last year. Um, and it, it, to be honest with you, if we would have gone forward with the season, um, you know, I thought it was going to be Georgetown and Denver in the Big East championship game. Um, I did think this was a really, really good team. Um, in 2021, I do think Georgetown is going to be good. I think the Hoyas will make the Big East tournament a Big East championship game. Like, that's my pick already. Denver and uh, Georgetown in the Big East championship game. I, that, that's already it. Um, you know, the Kevin Warren era has been a bumpy ride. They went two and twelve and four and ten in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen, and they bounced up, uh, took a big step in twenty eighteen, continued that success in twenty nineteen, twenty twenty they go six and zero. Um, you know, twenty twenty could have been that year if we would have gone all the way through the season. They could have broken the thirteen year NCAA uh, quarterfinal drought. You know, could that be broken this year? I I, I don't know. Um, And I I don't exactly remember where, because U.S. Lacrosse Magazine, they've come out with their, excuse me, with their uh, preseason or early rankings, right? And I don't exactly remember where they had, um, I'm trying to find this, where they had Georgetown. Um, it was definitely not, like, I think they might have had them at 12th or something like that. I think UNC was, like, 10, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
And no. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Um, top 25, so 10 through 6. Um, they had... Okay, UNC was at 7. Denver was at 6. And then, so I think they had Georgetown. Yeah, they had Georgetown at 13. At 13. Um, and, you know, I'm reading this thing here, and, you know, um, they even mentioned in here um, that, you know, we didn't get to see exactly how good this team was against top-tier talent. That is the one thing, and I think this team is a good team. I think they can compete against that top-tier talent. I really do. Um, that's probably the one skepticism I do have of this team coming into 2021. Um, now, look, they retarget a bunch of studs. Um, this defense is one of the best in the nation. Okay. Um, you got two-headed monster of Gibson Smith and James Donaldson um, at, at, at close. Um, and then you also, you know, in cage, you return Owen McElroy, who was, uh, I believe he ranked number one in um, a save percentage or, or, or something like that. Um, yeah, save percentage. Um He's been the starter for the past two seasons, so it's not like he came in last year, played really well against some, uh, you know, mid majors, and then uh, we never got to see him against top tier competition. We've seen McElroy, we've seen this defense against teams like Denver um, in the past, um, so you know we'll see how things go um, in twenty twenty one. On that, on, on the back end, and I'm I'm really excited about Georgetown's defense coming into 2021. Um, now, the offense, you know, obviously they, you know, last year was the first year without uh, Daniel Bucaro, but and Jake Caraway, you know, many questioned, can Jake Caraway step up and be the guy on this offense? He proved to be able to do that. Um, he's come back for the fifth season. Um, and then Dylan Watson, who was their second leading scorer um, on the attack spot, was a sophomore last year. He's coming back, um, obviously, as a junior. Um, so I, I'm excited about this team. I'm excited about what they can do. Uh, Graham, uh, Graham Bundy Jr. Uh, was, a, was, was a standout freshman at the midfield spot last year. Uh, so we'll see how he and some of those other guys um, – take that step forward at the midfield spot, some of these younger guys. Um, they also, uh, you can't forget about Nikki uh, Petkovic, uh, who will be a fifth-year guy transferring from Colgate um, to use his extra year. You know, he had 18 points, nine goals, nine assists um, with the Raiders last season. Has been one of their uh, more deadly offensive weapons um, up there at Colgate. And, you know, this... I mean, I do think this is a top 10 caliber team. Um, they, they Obviously, they will not get that respect right out of the gate just because of the competition they played last year. But this is a top 10 caliber team. This can be a Big East championship caliber team. The question is, 
are they going to be as good as many, including myself, think they can be against some of this top-tier talent. So you know, that's something that we're going to have to see, but I am a believer in Georgetown. I do think this is the year where we kind of see them turn that corner. You know, the past two years, you've seen them be the top dog in the Big East, and and I haven't really taken that as, like, they've asserted themselves. Um, I've kind of taken that as two good seasons because, again, they did go two years without going under 500, significantly, significantly under 500. So I think this is the year under Kevin Warren that we that, that he can show, look, th- this program is has turned the corner. This is not a two-win program anymore. We are back. We are back to where we were in the days of the Brody Merrills playing here and being in the quarterfinals and, 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 and trying to compete for championship weekend spots. I think this is the year that the Hoyas prove they are back. I think this is the year Kevin Warren proves I have turned this program around completely. But again, they've got to show what they can do against that top-tier competition. I'm a believer in them. I know a lot of other people are. It will definitely be a fun season to see what goes on with the Hoyas. That is for sure. All right, now moving on to the second question. Uh, This person writes, Dartmouth had a solid season before COVID hit. I know you've mentioned before that you are a fan of Callahan, uh, Brendan Callahan, the head coach at Dartmouth. Um, Can you see them passing Harvard and maybe Princeton if they do have as many players opt out as we think they will in 2021? And they're going to say, love the show. Um, Like, um, short answer for this one, no. Um, I... I don't think that Dartmouth passes Harvard or they say that they're gonna no, that's that's ridiculous. Um like honestly that is that's that's that that's a pretty ridiculous statement. Um to to even think that. I mean look, they were look, did they have some good wins last year? Yeah, they were three and one. They beat Merrimack thirteen to eleven, Bryant eleven to eight. And UMass Lowell fourteen to five, but they lose. They they lost to a pretty good Vermont team, uh, nine to eight, in their final game before the season was canceled. They return their top two scorers in George Prince and Matt Paul at attack. Uh, Tommy Logan was a freshman on attack. Um, they lose some good seniors as well. Ben Martin, Harlan Smart, William O'Connell. Um, we're all seniors at attack in uh, those other two midfielders. So, no, I don't think this is a team. And look, Brendan Callahan has done a good job at Dartmouth. I think they are definitely headed in the right direction. Now, in terms of the Ivy League, where they stand, I'm not, like, I am, no. They, they are not going... And look, look at what they did in 2019. They were 2-11. The two wins came against Wagner and Binghamton. They lost to Bryant, who they beat last year. They lost to UMass Lowell, 
who do they play the most? Yeah, who they beat last year. And so, so you won those two games that you you get you get that payback there, right? Okay. Who else did they? They didn't play anybody else. They would have played St. John's again. They lost to St. John's fifteen to eight last year. So no, I don't think this. I don't think Dartmouth is going to surpass anybody in the Ivy League this year. Um, you know. Now, I think there is a there is a point to be made whether if opt outs because of coronavirus can potentially help help this team. I think you could make that case for um, any lower tier team in any conference that hey, if one of these maybe mid tier teams has a bunch of COVID opt outs that really impacts the team. One of these lower teams could jump them for one year. Like, yeah, I, I think that's a plausible case. And we know Princeton has like what twenty opt outs already. So, you know, I do I like like I understand what you're saying, but I don't think it's possible that Dartmouth jumps anybody. Um Harvard, you know, I you know like, they've been sort of, like, they recruit well. They've been recruiting well. They haven't put it all together yet. I think they can have a good season. You know, Dartmouth, I think, can certainly have a good season um, with the talent they have back. What does that mean? You know, I really don't know. Um, you know, are we going to see them go 2-11 and 11 again? Um, you know, but, you know, I, I, I do not think absolutely do not think that uh, Dartmouth is going to jump anybody in the Ivy. Um, no, and I've mentioned before, it's Yale, Cornell, and then that at the top, and then you have, I believe, Brown and Penn in that second tier. Uh, I, I don't know necessarily where to put Princeton, and then I think it's Harvard and Dartmouth. And I've said that before, and I, I, I've said that, I mean, that's been the case for the past three years. Um, no, that's been the, past ca- the case for really the past five years almost. Um, and, yeah, have some of these teams, you know, Harvard's uh, made the, what, they made the Ivy Tournament uh, back in, what, 2016, 2015, whatever. Um and yeah, there's been teams that were necessarily at the bottom-ish that jumped up, but I, I just can't see Dartmouth doing that. Now, they do have some good players. I will give you that. They definitely do. Um, they definitely have some... No, I love the goalie, Daniel Hintz, uh, Hinks. Excuse me, he was a sophomore. Uh, I believe he started as a freshman as well. Um, so, I mean, I do think this team has good pieces, but overall... I don't think this is a this is not a team that we are going to see jump anybody um in 2021. Like again, they've got some good pieces, but and and the offense has improved um significantly over the past couple of seasons. Their defense um in the last year, had a first-year defensive coordinator, Matt Dugan. Um, and actually, 
they were on track to have their best defensive season in the Callahan era. Um, but I don't know how much that will progress, especially considering this year will be a full season. You're not just playing your non-conference games or the beginnings of your non-conference schedule. So, you know, we'll see. I'm not necessarily buying that Dartmouth is going to jump anybody. Um, That's not to say they won't have a good season um, or they don't have good players. uh, Because I do think this is a team that does have some good pieces in place. But I don't necessarily think we're going to see that jump that you're speaking of um, this year. Even no COVID or COVID opt-outs or not. Um, I, it, you do make a good case for some of the lower-level teams that could maybe jump some mid-tier teams because of COVID opt-outs. I will give you that, but I, I, I just don't see anything happening with this Dartmouth program Uh jumping anyone in 2021. All right, so this last question here. I really, really like this question, and I like how they framed it. So uh, the question reads, Pat March has created some hype as a hot young offensive coordinator. Obviously, Pat March, the new head coach, a uh, new offensive coordinator, I should say, at Syracuse. Um, and they go on to say, they called him the, the Kyle Shanahan of lacrosse. Um, question reads, who are some other young offensive coordinators that you think could possibly be moving up soon, whether as an OC at a bigger program or getting their start as a head coach? Um, so first of all, I love how you called Pat March the Kyle Shanahan of lacrosse. Um, good analogy there. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, obviously the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, was the OC at Texas A&M with Johnny Manziel, um, and then was the head coach at Texas Tech uh, when he had Patrick Mahomes as his QB. Uh, so man knows his way around a quarterback. Uh, Pat March, obviously very good offensive coordinator, good offensive mind, um, really good offensive mind, I should say. Was at Vermont, was at Princeton, is now at Syracuse. And based on what we saw last year, pretty, pretty good at Syracuse. Um, it'll really up that offense, I think. So, in terms of other guys who I think could possibly be moving up, um, when you mention... So, I'm going to... I'm going to pick two guys. So one guy is at a smaller school, one guy is at a bigger school. Because they find this question of who is a hot young OC that you would you could see moving up to in the same position at a bigger program or getting the start as a head coach. I think this the head coach part at a new school could apply to both of those depending on what caliber of school you're talking about. And I, actually, I think it could apply to both of them either way. Um, so first off, Stephen Brundage at Hobart. He's the offensive coordinator there. They had the number one scoring offense last season, number seven shooting percentage. Um, he came from Marquette, where he helped that program rise up from uh, non-existence to being a Big East power. 
Um, he was also on staff with Coach Greg Raymond, who's the head coach at Hobart now. Um, he was on staff with him at Drexel and at Princeton under Chris Bates. Um, and Brundage, his offense is a little bit different. I like it a lot. It, it, it go watch Hobart. Like they, they, they run things a bit differently. Um, they utilize a lot of pair sets. Um, it's really fast, really fun to watch. Um, and you know he's done a great job there, obviously. And you won. You have the one scoring offense in the in, in the country uh, when the season was uh, ended. Um, number seven shooting percentage for, as a team. Um, obviously had some great players there uh, at Hobart. We'll have some great players again this year. Um, so you know things can only look, be looking up for Stephen Brundage, and I think he's done a good job. And um, by the way, Hobart has a lacrosse podcast, and I believe don't. I believe it was last October. Stephen Brundage was on that podcast with Coach Raymond. I believe he talked a bit about his offense and um, acclimating this team to his offense. Um, and talk, dove a little bit into his philosophy and things of that nature. If you want to go check that out, um, I will try to find it and put the link in the show notes uh, for y'all, but he did appear on there. You can go to the Hobart, uh, Hobart Athletics website, go to Lacrosse, and they have a tab that says podcast, and you can go through all of them. Uh, there's not that many. I think they just launched it last year, and they're doing like a monthly thing. Um, I think just a few weeks ago, they launched one that I listened to with uh, Coach Raymond. So uh, you can go check those out, and Stephen Brundage uh, does appear at least on that October 1 of last year, talk, talking a little bit about his offense, uh, if y'all do want to hear that. Um, so he's a guy I think I could see moving up to a, a, a bigger school in the same position, or a bigger program in the same position, um, but I could also see him going somewhere, um, a smaller school as a head coach. Now, John Hawes, who's the offensive coordinator at Penn State, I feel like he doesn't get as, as much love as he should, um, but he's done a great job there. This will be his fourth season. Yeah, because he was hired after 2017, so last year would have been his third season. 2021 will be his fourth season there. Um, obviously, yeah, he coached Graham Mint, Mac O'Keefe, um, you know, obviously have had some great, great offensive players come through there. And he's put them in the right places to be successful. Uh, before he was at Penn State, and obviously they, they were a top two, top three offense um, in the country last year as well. I think it was Hobart 1. It might have been Princeton, Penn State is how it went in terms of offensive um, scoring. Um, but, you know, they've had successful seasons. I think they broke – Penn State broke a bunch of records – uh, team in the program records, and obviously you met with that uh, assist record in 2019. That was under Hawes' watch um, on the offensive end. So John Hawes has been a uh, a very, very successful offensive coordinator. Obviously he's had a lot of successful players coming through there. I know a lot of people will say, well, you know, if you have the players, you can, you know, coaching doesn't matter that much if you have the stud players like they have, like they have had, but We'll tell you 
know, to, to get to that level, you've got to prove to be a good coach first. Um, no one's going to hire you if all you can do is recruit and put guys on the field. Um, because let's be honest, if you're doing that at a lower level program, um, you're not, um, you know, so John Hawes obviously done a great job, puts guys in the right places to be successful, has done that. Obviously we saw that with, uh, Glenn Ament, Mac O'Keefe is coming back this year. They also have Dylan Folds, who, one of my favorite players to watch in the country. Just his off-ball movement is just phenomenal. Um, I think they utilize that really well in that Penn State offense. So John Hawes and Stephen Brundage would be the two hot offensive coordinators that I would tell you could possibly see a bump up um, in terms of moving to either a head coaching role or moving into a uh, offensive coordinator role at a more prominent um, program. So you know, those would be the two that I would name um, right now. Um, obviously, you know, John Grant Jr. going to from Air Force to uh, John Hopkins is a pretty big move. Um, I, John Grant Jr., you know, he's not necessarily young, but he's a young college coach. Uh, so we'll see how he does there at Johns Hopkins. Uh, I thought that was a really good hire as well. Um, I might have to do this. You know what? I'll do this next week with uh, some defensive guys. Obviously, Kostner is at um, at Hop now with uh, Milliman and and and, and Grant. Um, but I'll I, I'll pick I'll pick through some stuff and I'll I'll come up with some some defensive guys for y'all next week. Great great question to end today's show on. Um, as always. Check us out lacrossebucket.com, social media, at lacrossebucket, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, my personal, at Tanner underscore Dimling on Twitter is where I am most active. Have a great uh, rest of the weekend, I should say, as it is Sunday. Um, Have a great uh, week if y'all listening to this on a Monday or Tuesday. So, again, thank you all for listening. Check us out at com.